Welcome to the AFW College Podcast. We are back with more encouraging content to bless your walk with Jesus during your college years. My name is Jordan Ramirez, and I'm here with the one and only Graydon Jones to talk theology and scripture and Jesus, which means I needed to get a little extra caffeine in me this morning so I could keep up with Graydon and and his mind, because this dude is a thinker. Uh, Last time Graydon was on, he walked us through the story, uh, just the story of God from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, And by the end, I was like huffing and puffing. I was like having a heart attack and (laughs) Graydon, I felt like he could do it again. Uh, He wasn't even breaking a sweat. So I'm ready to learn some more stuff from you, Graydon. But first, man, how you doing? Man, What's I'm, up? I'm doing I'm doing great. You know, yeah. I, I drink about ten cups of coffee every day. <laughs> that explains just to it. get ready for the theology. You know? It's, it's uh, I don't need a gym membership. I just read theology. There we go. Um, yeah, and this is part three of a series uh, we're doing right now called Theology 101, where we are taking deep dives into some of the foundational, but also some of the least understood topics of our faith that really we we should be able to talk about uh, more in depth. So so far we've covered what it means to have a theology focused around the character of Jesus. And uh, if you want to figure out why that's so important, then I really, uh, I highly encourage you to go listen to that. Uh, We also talked about how all of scripture and really all of history uh, tells the story of God. And that was a wild ride that you should definitely also go listen to. And now today we're talking about this thing called atonement, or uh, to put it another way, we're really just looking at the cross. Uh, what exactly happened on the cross, why did it need to happen, Uh, and how did it change history? Obviously, huge questions uh, that we, as followers of Jesus, uh, should think about and wrestle with. So, uh, it's also a question that we might not have a ready answer to, and that's why I'm glad that Graydon is here to really help us understand it. So, Graydon, start us off just by explaining why it's so important uh, that we are devoting an entire podcast episode to talk about the cross. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. Here's the thing about the cross that I think we should even just say at the beginning here is that it is just a beautiful mystery, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that we should be exploring for the rest of our life. Yeah. It's it's the center of our faith. You know, it's the central hinge point to the whole story. Um, and the crazy thing is that, you know, the cross in Jesus's day was an absolute scandal Uh, And, you you know, back in in those times, if you were Jewish and someone in your family had been crucified, you wouldn't have told anybody. It was a a thing of shame. Like, Uh you would never tell anyone that that someone in your family had had been crucified. So the fact that our entire faith is worshiping a crucified Messiah is crazy. Yeah. It it makes... that lets you know why Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the cross is a scandal Mm. and it's folly. Uh, And and because it's, it's just absolutely crazy that this would be our faith and yet yeah. it's good news mm. um and so that's why we're you know we're we're talking about the cross and why we should continue to always be unpacking more about the cross because it, it's a central revelation of who god is in the person of jesus and it, it's the forgiveness of sins it's salvation it's so important yeah um, but i remember growing up and having a little bit of like a internal dialogue with myself kind of wondering like why did jesus have to die you know i i remember thinking like i don't understand why jesus had to die why couldn't he just save us why couldn't he just forgive right. us? Mm-hmm. you know what was the deal about dying right <laughs> and, and i think some of us kind of have a simplistic answer like well jesus had to die because of sin and it's like well yeah but what does that mean yeah. right well mm-hmm. well there was sin so jesus had to deal with it but how did he deal with it 
right? Well, he died and he forgave us. Well, why didn't God just forgive us without Jesus having to die? Right. Yeah. right? And, and so you get in this, this uh, circle of questions here and yeah. you think, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. And so we have to think about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, I mean, that's what we're going to try and do. We're going to talk about just what happened on the cross, why Jesus had to die and, and hopefully maybe get some various perspectives that I think actually help us when we have more perspectives about the cross, rather than just trying to find one simple answer as if we could unpack the mysteries of God, you know, on our own. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so, so that's what we're going to spend a lot of uh, time today doing. We're just going to start by looking at some different theories about what happened on the cross, how throughout history, you know, the church has really come to grapple and tried to explain what uh, what the cross was all about uh, and how sins are atoned for. And I remember you going over uh, going over these things with you in the fall. And when you would state each theory, just thinking like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. Or, yeah, I've, I've heard that before. I've heard pastors explain it that way before. Um, but really, each of these theories have ways that they just fall like a little short of fully describing what Jesus' sacrifice did for us. Uh, or just like we were saying before uh, we started, the language kind of skews it towards a certain mindset or a, that that can kind of uh, help make us drift away from an accurate view of who God is. Yeah, totally. Um, so... But also in these, you'll, you'll also see that each of these contains, you know, some truth, um, but not not the whole truth. And it's by looking at all of these together that we can kind of start to uh, get this holistic understanding of atonement, this holistic understanding of why Jesus had to die on the cross in order to reconcile us uh, to God. So get us started. Uh, what, what kind of ideas has the church had throughout history to explain uh, why Jesus had to die for us? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about a few of these these different atonement theories. Um, so you know, atonement itself as a word is just talking about how our sins were atoned for, right? How our sins were dealt with. Um, and there's been a lot of different perspectives uh, throughout time. Uh, so for instance, one would be um, the ransom theory. And we actually, you know, here's the thing about this. All of these theories, you can find scriptures to back up your view, right? Yeah. So we can mm-hmm. all find ways that scripture kind of uses different metaphors. And so that that's the thing that's tricky. When we try and translate the thing of God, the things of God into the things of humanity, mm-hmm. it's just it's just more complex and hard to grapple the whole thing. Yeah. And so so this this idea of ransom, I mean, there's a passage in Mark that literally says, I, I came to ransom many, right? So right. So here's a summary of this view is basically that God ransomed us from the clutches of sin. Like sin had a hold over us. And so therefore imagine someone being kidnapped and then you pay a ransom to rescue them back. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of what God's done in the cross is that the cross then ransoms, ransoms us back from sin, Mm -hmm. Um, which is true in part, but the, the downfall of this view is that it maybe gives Satan a little bit more credit than he should get. Right. right? The, as yeah. if, as if maybe he had the upper hand on God and, and yeah. so God had, you know, had to pay the ransom, you know? <laughs> and so I think that there's a little bit of a shortcoming there. Um, yeah. another one would be, you know, it has various names, but kind of the satisfaction or the debt, uh, kind of theory. Um, the idea that we owe a debt because of our sin, uh, like we owe a debt towards God, you know? So this is not so yeah. much a ransom for who's kidnapped us, but, but we owe a debt to God because of our sin and hmm. we can't pay the debt because we're sinners. Yeah. Right. So we need someone else to pay the debt for us. Um, and so Jesus steps in and does that. Yeah. Um, now the shortcoming on this view was it, it's really a transactional framework. It's it's really not so much a covenant; it's a transaction, right? It yeah. kind of it kind of brings our relationship with God down from not the ancient promises where God's always faithful, but 
but like we have to do a transaction with him. Yeah. And, and that yeah. it, it kind of messes with the relational aspect of who God is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another theory would be the moral influence theory. Um, and this would be kind of that the life and the death of Jesus is primarily a moral example to humanity. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's such a great sign of love that it inspires us that we would be the type of people to practice self-sacrificial love and that Mm -hmm. we would give our lives for other people. Um, and so it's almost a reaction against actually the, the satisfaction theory, um, that kind of diminished, it turns God's love into a transaction. And this is saying, no, 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 it's not that at all. It's really just God's love as a moral example. Yeah. Um, but here's the shortcoming on this, that if, if you just view the cross as a moral example, it kind of does reduce the power of it and it kind of right. oversimplifies it mm-hmm. because moral examples are nice, but they're not necessarily like revolutionary right. or something yeah. that God can, like we can make moral examples yeah. mm-hmm. even in our sin, right? Yeah. Another theory that is uh, pretty popular these days is the penal substitutionary penal substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. uh, or you call it PSA right mm-hmm. um, and so this idea is is that so penal meaning like punishment and mm-hmm. substitution so this means like a judge finds you guilty but then the judge takes off his robes and substitutes himself yeah right so that the cross is God's punishment unleashed on Jesus instead of us. Um, and so that his wrath is pointed towards Jesus and Jesus kind of steps in front of it and, and we don't receive that. Um, the shortcoming of this view is the good thing is that sub, the idea of substitution is really great that yeah. Jesus steps into the gap for us. Right. right? Um, the shortcoming is that this theory can kind of develop a pagan view of God, kind mm-hmm. of this idea that like, Oh, the gods are angry. And so they want violent sacrifice, right? That's like a very ancient pagan idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it maybe doesn't say that explicitly, but what we can take away from it is that the father and Jesus aren't necessarily on the same team. Right, yeah. that that Jesus has to jump in front of the bullet for us, mm-hmm. um, and therefore you kind of have to redefine words like love right. in order to really make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that can be a challenging thing with that. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I'll, I'll talk about here is the the Christus Victor idea, and this is actually a pretty ancient early church view, but it, it's kind of gotten renewed attention in the last hundred years, uh, and that's that you know Jesus in his suffering has overcome the oppressor so that the cross was primarily a victory over the powers of sin, the powers of Satan, uh, and that a rescue of humanity has, has happened. And actually mm-hmm. that, that Jesus has almost lure, lured in Satan, uh, thinking that Satan won a victory. It turns out that he didn't kill the son of God and win a victory. It turns out that the cross was actually a victory over, over Satan. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of see this in Colossians too, mm-hmm. uh, Paul saying this. Now the shortcoming on this uh, is that emphasizing victory over evil can maybe be challenging when evil is still so much at work. Yeah. Right. So, so this theory can de-emphasize that kind of the substitution aspect of the cross, and it can kind of be a little bit, you know, triumphalistic when we all feel the effects of sin all the time. And so some of us can think, well, was that really a victory over sin? Because I see sin everywhere. Uh, So, you know, all of these things in reality, we need, we need multiple views of the cross. Yes. Yeah. We all like to think like that we can simplify it to one thing and this is true and everything else is false. 
but really it can really help us to look at the cross through lots of different views because the cross is just so big. It's the work of God is so beautiful that we really can't just bring it down to one view. So I actually think that all of these things do have some truth in it and are connected to the same story. Um, The key is that we just maintain that God is love, that God is Trinity, that uh, that the same story from Genesis to Revelation is happening. Yes. And, and if there are things that we think about the cross that don't fit into that, then we probably need to let that stuff slide. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah, that's good. Because even as you list those, just again, there's certain ones where I'm like, wait, that's like really beautiful. Like that's yeah, really absolutely. impactful, you know? Um, and there's times where I, those kinds of things really jump out to me in reading, you know, the gospel story. Um, but so it's not it's not either or all yes. the way all the time. So if one of these really is like your how you have always understood the cross, we're not saying like you're wrong. Abandon your uh, your thinking on that, or that you don't understand the cross. Yeah, that's but uh, it is just that there's there's all these things that go into um, just the reality of what happened up there on the cross, uh, and yeah. we we need to look at all of them and take all of them in consideration, all the different aspects, uh, in order to fully appreciate that sacrifice that was made by Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that all of us, we really, we want to be right. I mean, we yeah. want we don't want to be wrong about this. And so what can happen is that we kind of take that either or instead of both and. Right. Right. And we want to think, no, 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 I've got the truth. I'm right. And you're wrong. Uh, when, man, that, that kind of tears down the body of Christ a lot of times. Uh, yeah. And we should actually appreciate the way that people see things differently about God. And maybe, maybe they're seeing something about God that I just haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it makes the, the whole thing more beautiful, you know. If it's just Amen. one, uh, and you have the answer, um, and you're willing to fight that that it's just your one thing, uh, kind of makes it a little narrow. But if it is both that Jesus lived a perfect life to show it for us, and then He was also uh, the substitution that we needed, or He also paid the debt that that was uh, on us, Hallelujah! Yeah. That makes yeah. it even cooler. Amen. That, make, that that should excite us even more, you know. Yeah, that's um, good. So all these things are good. All these things uh, are useful, uh, but we need all of them. And so for the rest of this kind of podcast, we're going to be talking about this this next approach, this next kind of theory, this yeah. next line of thinking that you're like, you're saying is kind of holistic in the view of it, incorporating all these different theories, but also uh, really cohesive in the story of God as, uh, yeah. as a whole from yeah. Genesis to revelation, uh, incorporating, you know, God as father and God as son yeah. and God as spirit, all of them, uh, coming together to, to, make a fuller explanation of, of what happened there on the cross. Um, so why don't you, uh, yeah, t- give us this, what you've, how you've come to view the cross, how you, uh, kind of explain it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, this is a way to look at the cross and, and I, I learned a lot of these things from N.T. Wright. If anyone, you know, ever wants to tackle an N.T. Wright book, <laughs> there's some great ones out there. Um, but here's what I love about this. And we can, we could refer to it as like a narrative explanation of the cross, a, a, the story explanation of the cross. Uh, and the reason that we're going to do this is because I think it's important that we pull you know, theories, theories are so just like abstract and they're kind of out there. But if we pull it into the story, the story of God, that it really does have to be connected to, you can't just clip it out and, and cut it out and say, this is something different than what God was always up to. 
then what, what would we say about the cross? If it really was part of the story of all of scripture. And I think there's a really good, uh, narrative explanation that is drawing on the exodus and so we're going to look at the cross as a new exodus yeah and to do that we need to go back a little bit to the exodus story the Mm -hmm. specifically the passover because the last supper the the last night of jesus's life it it happened at passover the cross happened at passover and Mm -hmm. i think that that's really really important and something that doesn't always get attention yeah because why why didn't Jesus die during the Day of Atonement? The yeah. Jews had that, right? right? So mm-hmm. the Day of Atonement seems like a really good day to go to the cross <laughs> if you're forgiving sins, right? right. So, yeah, yeah. so why didn't it happen then? Why did it happen at the Passover? That really probably means something. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the Gospels, Jesus is, is making it clear that this is the point of why he came. He's headed somewhere. He's saying, I'm setting my face to Jerusalem. This was the day I was waiting for, right? So it wasn't an accident that mm-hmm. it happened at Passover. Yeah. Um, so... The Passover happened during the Exodus, which was primarily about God setting people free from Egypt. Okay, mm-hmm. so we should be we should be tipped off a little bit here that okay, there might be something about freedom and liberation from slavery in yeah. in the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back to Passover a little bit and, and think about that. So, because most of us don't know much about Passover, if we're being honest. Um, we ba- actually... Yeah, bail oh, some of us out. Some I of mean, us obviously, out. Jordan, you're an expert, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the rest of us, normal people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we've got to go back to Exodus, and specifically Exodus 12. There's a whole chapter, explain, God's explaining exactly what he wants to happen on Passover. It's the night that literally it says the destroyer passed over, mm-hmm. and it's the last plague. It, all the firstborn in the land die, except for those who follow these instructions for Passover. So when we say the word Passover, it literally means the destroyer passed over the Israelites and did not kill their firstborn. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are some really interesting parallels between Exodus 12 and the cross that I think we should explore. Okay, so it's Mm -hmm. not just that Jesus died during Passover, but it's that it's connected to the Passover narrative. Okay, so in Exodus 12, it it literally says that the Passover is going to start over your entire calendar. Mm. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, if, if someone just declared like, okay, today is actually now January 1st. Yeah. <laughs> Start over. You know, we're starting yeah. a new calendar today because of what happened. This is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and that's what God does. He says, from now on, I want you to start your calendar from right now. And think about that in terms of being almost born again mm. as a people. And think about the cross as signaling our rebirth and the greatest and the only turn in human history. Mm-hmm. That all of life, all of history, it, it goes back to this one moment on the cross. Yeah. So there's a parallel there. Uh, something important is about to happen. Okay, number two, in the Passover, the blood of the lamb, it covered the doorposts. This was this was the sign of this new uh, covenant, this new festival, Passover. Mm-hmm. And on the cross, it's Jesus' blood that becomes a sign of the new covenant. And he says this point blank to the disciples. He's saying, this is the blood of the new covenant. Mm. And, and that would have meant something to them. I mean, they knew the story. They knew the covenant that they had with God uh, and that it originated through the Exodus and through Passover. And so then we see too that in the Passover in Exodus 12 it says that there's specific instructions not to break any of the lamb's bones. Hmm. Now why it says that I 
do not know. Yeah. Maybe there's someone out there who knows more about that. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do know that in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, he specifically notes that none of Jesus's bones were broken on the cross, hmm. whereas in a normal crucifixion, they would always be broken. Uh, hmm. It's kind of how they wrap that thing up. Um, and, and John specifically says that this is pointing back to Exodus 12. He's, yeah. he's identifying Jesus as the Passover lamb. Hmm. Okay, so... This is getting extremely connected here, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the thing about it is that when we really look at the Passover and the cross, we see that in the Passover, right, God protected Israel from the destroyer, right? He mm. he through the sign of the covenant, through the blood, he protected Israel, almost like blood in, in ancient times that kind of did represent this, almost like the blood was a purifying effect mm. on, on any house that it touched. Um, yeah. The lifeblood was a was a purifying effect, and in the cross we see that Jesus then is like our blood, our covering over us, and that He experiences the fatal consequence of sin uh, in Himself. You know, and, and through that, then He unmasked the power of death and sin mm-hmm. forever. Right? He defeated it. He exposed it for what it was, which was an empty power compared to who God is. Mm. So this is, I mean, this is really cool. There's yeah. like a, like an intricate intricate connection between the Passover and through the cross, which means that we should see the cross as a new Exodus, Mm. that when we come through the cross, that on the other side of that, there's a freedom that's happened, Mm. that where the old Exodus set Israel free from Pharaoh, now we've been set free from sin and death itself, the far greater slave master, right? The one that was not just you know, in human history, but that all humanity was enslaved by. Yeah. This is what's yeah. happening at the cross, you know? And, and so to, to kind of sum it up here, because again, I know this can be a little bit, this can be a little bit abstract, but to kind of sum it up, I think that here's some things that, that kind of happened. Um, and this isn't going to incorporate several different atonement ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the enemy, you know, inspired sinful humans to kill the son of God, right? You kind of see that in the gospels where like demons are raging, right? Like yeah. things are happening. Like right. the, the, the powers of, of, you know, empires are, are colluding and, and to kill Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost chaotic. Right. It's like the, the forces of chaos that God tamed in creation are, are arising again. They're saying the son of God is on, you know, planet earth. What's going on yeah, yeah we've got to kill this guy right it's it's almost like a drama before our eyes mm-hmm. and so i do think that there's part of that that's true and and that but that jesus actually defeated sin through this self-sacrificial love that it really was this incredible example of self-sacrificial love and right. that's exactly what defeated the enemy yeah so that when paul writes in colossians that that he made a public spectacle uh, of the powers the demons right like that through the cross, they thought they thought they were defeating the Son of God, and yet the Son of God was actually defeating them. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so that's that's incredible. And, mm-hmm. and we see that Jesus was the ultimate human representative. Like he took all of humanity into himself. He took yeah. all of our sin, all of our consequences of sin, mm-hmm. into himself. So he is the substitute. He is the new human, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that his blood is like the purity of lifeblood. You know, back in uh, in the law, there was another way that they, you know, they dealt with sin, and that was through the scapegoat. Uh, that was by putting the sin on the scapegoat, and they would drive the scapegoat out of the camp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't necessarily get that picture with Jesus. We get the Passover lamb picture. Mm. And so again, it's, it's a deeper, richer. It's not just that God threw all of the sin and all of the wrath on, on Jesus. It's that 
Jesus somehow purified humanity from within humanity, yeah. that he entered into our world uh, and he wrapped it all, he absorbed it all into himself and then he dealt with it, therefore breaking the bond that was over us. Wow. Um, and so the forgiveness of sins does happen through the cross. And here's why Jesus didn't just forgive your sins without the cross. It's because sin actually has kind of, we talked about this last time, it kind of has two features, the kind of lowercase sin and uppercase sin. Mm -hmm. So lowercase sin is like, you know, you sinned. It's just one simple action. Mm -hmm. And Jesus walked around and he did forgive people of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a a far greater problem. It was a nature problem. Like our very nature was sinful. And that's, that's the, the, capital S sin. That's the the power over humanity. And that's what was broken in the cross. Mm. Uh, And absolutely incredible. Not the plan that you or I would have come up with, right? right? And yet in the beauty and power and wisdom of God, this is what happens. And so the cross, this is a new exodus. Uh, We are liberated from sin, from death. Uh, It changes our nature and launches a new creation through the kingdom of God. And we're actually new people. We're a new humanity in him. So this is just one way to look at it. I kind of want to throw this out as another way to look at the cross uh, because there's so many perspectives. And I think this can kind of bring some of them together to kind of explain in the story what happened at the cross. How do we know this is true? We know this is true because of what happens on Easter Sunday, right? Because of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So the resurrection proves all of this uh, because this would all just be a theory if it was just the cross, you know, like I hope Jesus did all that when he died, you know, but, but how do we know it's true? It's because he showed back up, right? He came to life and therefore he did have power over sin. He did have power over death. You know, Colossians one says that he's the firstborn among the dead. What does that mean? What a weird phrase, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's saying among those who have died, he's the first to resurrect. He's the first to be born again, right? Mm-hmm. To resurrect. And so that's what's coming for all of us in the resurrection. And and kind yeah. of as a last note here, I do want to say that I think there are really good reasons why we can trust the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to address that because uh, it's not so much because I think we should just constantly be arguing about this, right. but that we live in 2021 and we're a pretty scientific people. And we think, was that just kind of like a fable or was that just something that like they kind of thought happened or, you know what, like people don't raise from the dead all the time. So what's yeah. going on with that? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that actually we can be really smart people and actually really trust the resurrection. Yeah. And there's a, there's a few reasons uh, for, for, for believing this. Um, one of them is, is uh, actually the fact that the resurrection witnesses were women. Um, and yeah. this is a cool, this is a very subversive thing for right. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the time, women's testimony was not even allowed in court, uh, which is horribly sad. But but so if, if this were all made up, why would they choose women as the first hand witnesses? Why would they choose Mary Magdalene, right? Yeah. Why would it be women going to the grave side when they could have easily just said that it was Peter, it right. was John, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they came right after. And so the fact that Jesus assigned value to women as literally the first apostle witnesses yeah. of the resurrection. Right is pretty incredible mm-hmm. for in multiple ways, but it's incredible for how Jesus views women, but it's also incredible for the truth of the resurrection. Yeah. Uh, this was not a story that you or I would have manufactured at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason is that we have no record of any of the 11 disciples recanting their testimony. And almost yeah. all of them were executed for their faith. Uh, so the fact that they didn't recant, they didn't at their deathbed say it was all it was all made up, right? Yeah. Is, is a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
another thing, ancient people were actually just as skeptical about resurrection as we are. <laughs> like we have this idea that like, oh, like, you know, they just believed anything back then. Yeah, like, right. You know, because, you know, they're so ancient and backwards, right? But they actually didn't think that people just resurrected all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were they were smart people. Um, and so the fact that the early Christians bet their entire faith, their entire life mm-hmm. on this story you know, the, the shame of the cross, the resurrected body, this is evidence that they really actually did experience something on Easter. Like they really saw something. And so at that point, you just have to say whether or not you think it's true or not, Yeah. because they really did experience something and hallucinations. They're not shared experiences. So you can't have, you can't have hundreds of people have the exact same hallucination at the exact same time. Yeah. So you can't just say, well, they all thought they saw Jesus. Well, that would be an extremely weird circumstance for hundreds of people to say, I saw the exact same thing. I heard the same thing. Yeah. It was the same person, right. all that stuff, right? That, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Um, and then, uh, you know, the early Christians, they actually really strongly resisted any efforts to explain it away as a spiritual experience. Mm. Um, they really believed that Jesus physically resurrected. Uh, they did not say that this was a spiritual or internal reality that they experienced. That's the way that some people kind of, you know, try and have their cake and eat it too, right? They say like, right. Jesus did resurrect, but in a spiritual way. Like, yeah, like no, right. no, no. They, they weren't saying that. They were saying bodily resurrection. Mm-hmm. And it actually is the whole reason that Paul said that we're going to bodily resurrect. They yeah. banked it all on the fact that Jesus did. Yeah. Um, and then even just, you know, historians from that time attested to the story, you mm-hmm. know, and they didn't, they didn't try and explain it. Uh, but they also didn't explain it away. They didn't just treat it as irrelevant. So people like Josephus, uh, they attested to the fact that like people actually believe this and they really do think it happened. Mm. Uh, and so it's not that we're looking all the way back and saying, well, you know, we can see in scripture about this people at the time before the new Testament was written, mm-hmm. we're saying that they, they actually thought that this had happened. So yeah. there's a lot of reasons for us to really believe in this. And the resurrection is our great hope. It's what makes the cross make sense. And so, yeah, that's really good news. That's so important. I've heard it said that uh, the resurrection is like the greatest apologetic for what we believe. You know, if, absolutely. Uh, if we're every, every question people had have about the Old Testament, the New Testament, anything. Uh, the greatest evidence is like, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, and yep. this is what he believed, and uh, it's pretty good uh, evidence that he might be right about what he was teaching Amen. Uh, when he was able to uh, defeat death. Amen. You know? yeah. And I think just the reason that this whole conversation is so important to really figure out what happened on the cross is kind of like we were talking about earlier. If, if Jesus uh, was just a really good guy who made a really good sacrifice for us, uh, that doesn't really energize us to go out and follow him, especially in the ways that he uh, like asked of his disciples to drop everything, to yeah. drop their nets and follow him, yeah. to, uh, to forsake family and, uh, and jobs and everything else to just go and be his disciple. If he was just a nice guy or even a powerful teacher or anything like that, uh, that doesn't make him someone that we should um, make our whole lives about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But if he's, this, if he's in the only way to be freed by this great oppressor that is sin, then uh, we should drop everything and run after him. We should uh, take up the cross ourselves and follow him. You know, yeah, that's good, uh, he's worth he's worth the the cost of following him, being a part of his uh, his mission for the world. If he's con- even continuing to free people from sin, Amen. Yeah, Amen. 
It's so important. Graydon, again, thank you so much. Uh, hey, if you're listening and you have any questions, really, really want to encourage you guys uh, to email us. Send it to me. Uh, you can email any question you have to uh, jordan at antiochfortworth.com, and we would love to get back to you um, personally. And if it's a question that we think is super important, We'll even talk about it here on the podcast. So, yeah, come on. Uh, Who doesn't want their question explained in 30 minutes by uh, a genius like Graydon Jones? (laughs) I might send myself a question. Yeah, we're so thankful that you guys are listening. Keep grappling with this stuff. I mean, I don't think you should have a perfect understanding even after 30 minutes of us talking about this. So uh, keep wrestling with it and um, bringing it to God, praying about it. Uh, It's just so you can really understand the beauty of the cross. Uh, it really is. It's the turning point in history for humanity, and it's it's our personal turning points uh, out yeah, of good. slavery and into freedom in Christ. So uh, thank you all for listening. That's all we have for this episode, but we will see you next week. This has been the Antioch Fort Worth College podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>